Blog Talk Radio. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. Good evening, America. Today is July the 14th, 2013. I want to say happy Sunday evening to everyone, and I do want to give a shout-out to Trevon Martin's family. I think that that um, decision is, to put it mildly, a damn shame, but from what I understand in breaking news, the Justice Department will be pursuing a civil rights violation on this case. So before we get started with my show, I just want uh, Trevon's family to know that you're definitely in our prayers, and I ask all of my listeners to whatever extent possible, please pray for that family, support that family by any means necessary, and within the law. So with that said, let's get started with tonight's show. There is a very disturbing trend in America, and that trend has gone on for quite some time. And that is the bastardization that we have within our own culture. And I'm going to say this for all people of color, not just black Americans. This applies to Cubans. This applies to Puerto Ricans, uh, to Brazilians. We, all over this planet, from South Africa to America, have this stratification that is taking place between our women. Now, I find that very disgusting. I think that um, I want to get to the origin of that, and I'm going to just read a little bit of a document that I found, uh, believe it or not, on the website for the final call, which we know as the Islamic newspaper, and I'm going to begin to just pick through this letter. Some of you have heard about this letter, and it's called the Willie Lynch letter, and it's the making of the slave, and I want you to hear this. Uh, It's just, it, it will wake you up. Starting, I caught the whiff of a dead slave hanging from a tree a couple of miles back. You are not only losing valuable stock by hangings, you are having uprisings, Slaves are running away. Your crops are sometimes left in the fields too long for maximum profit. You suffer occasional fires. Your animals are killed. Gentlemen, you know what your problem is. I do not need to elaborate. I'm not here to enumerate your problems. I'm here to introduce you to a method of solving them. In my bag here, I have a foolproof method for controlling your black slaves. I guarantee every one of you that if installed correctly, it will control the slaves for at least 300 years. Now, before I continue down this path, if you are not an American, This still affects you because, as you know, slavery was a worldwide problem, and I I just want to say that, and then I'm going to continue. My method is simple. Any member of your family or your overseer can use it. 
I have outlined a number of differences amongst the slaves, and I take these differences and I make them bigger. I use fear, distrust, and envy for control purposes. These methods have worked on my modest plantation in the West Indies, and it will work throughout the South. Take this simple little list of differences and think about them. Now, America, pay attention to this. On top of my list is age, but there's, uh, but it's there only because it starts with an A. The second is color or shade. Whoa, we're getting into it, right? There is intelligence, size, sex, sizes of plantations, status on plantations, attitude of owners, whether the slaves live in the valley, on the hill, east, west, north, south, have fine hair, coarse hair, or is tall or short. Now that you have a list of differences, I shall give you an outline of action. But before that, I will assure you that distrust is stronger than trust and envy stronger than adulation, respect, or admiration. The black slaves, after receiving this indoctrination, shall carry it on and will become self-refueling and self-generating for hundreds of years, maybe thousands. Don't forget, you must pitch the old black male versus the young black male, the young black male against the old black male. You must, and ladies, listen to this. You must use the dark-skinned slaves versus the light-skinned slaves and the light-skinned slaves versus the dark-skinned slaves. You must use the female versus the male. We're going to get into that tonight. And the male versus the female. You must also have white servants and overseers who distrust all blacks. So for my Anglo listeners, I want you to know on this show, there is no prejudice. This thing is not about trying to pull an Al Sharpton. This show is about unity. But I want you to hear how we have been all psychologically pimped. But it is necessary that your slaves trust and depend on us. They must love, respect, and trust only us. Gentlemen, these kits are your keys to control. Use them. Have your wives and children use them. Never miss an opportunity. If used intensely for one year, the slaves themselves will remain perpetually distrustful. Thank you, gentlemen. Now, that is just one piece of this, but there is another part of this letter that most people do not know exists, and it has to do with the breaking of the African, I mean, the African woman or the woman of color. I'm going to read it quickly and then get into our discussion. Check this out. You will not believe this. It says, take the female and run a series of tests on her to see if she will submit to your desires willingly. Test her in every way because she is the most important factor for good economics. If she shows any sign of resistance in submitting completely to your will, do not hesitate to use the bull whip on her to extract the last bit of B-I-T-H out of her. Take care not to kill her, for in doing so you spoil good economics. When in complete submission, she will train her offspring in the early years to submit to labor when they become of age. Understanding is the best thing. Therefore, we shall go deeper into this area of the subject matter concerning what we have produced here in this breaking promise uh, process of a female nigger. Pardon that word, but that's what it says. We have reversed the relationship and her natural 
uncivilized state, she would have a strong dependency on the uncivilized nigger male, and she would have a limited protective tendency toward her independent male offspring and would raise male offspring to be dependent like her. Nature had provided for this type of balance. We reverse nature by burning and pulling a civilized nigger apart and bullwhipping the other to the point of death all in her presence. By her being left alone, unprotected, the male image destroyed, the ordeal caused by her to move from her psychologically dependent state to a frozen, independent state. In this frozen, psychological state of independence, she will raise her male and female offspring in reversed roles. For fear of the young male's life, she will psychologically train him to be mentally weak and dependent and physically strong. Because she has become psychologically independent, she will train her female offspring to be psychologically independent. We have, uh, what have you got? Now, check this out. You've got the nigger woman out front and the nigger man behind and scared. This is a perfect situation of sound sleep and economics. Before the breaking process, we had to be alertly on guard at all times. Now, we can sleep soundly for out of frozen fear his woman stands guard for us he cannot get past her early slave molding process he is a good tool now ready to be tied to the horse at a tender age by the time the nigger boy reaches the age of 16 he is soundly broken in and ready for a long life of sound efficient work the reproduction of a good labor force continually through the breaking of uncivilized savage niggers by throwing the nigger female savage into a frozen psychological state of independence by killing off the protective male image. You guys really need to read that, but I'm going to take this thing a step further because America, in 2013, we are still right there. Now, today, I was in doing my research on this, I found so many articles ranging from uh, things from News One, which is the network that we listen to Tom Jordan on, uh, to several prominent magazines. But here's what I want uh, our women to hear, and I'm saying all women of color, not just American black women. The level of beauty standards has changed. Not only has it changed, but it has divided women within the race as well as without. Now, for as long as I can remember, and I'm a man of a certain age and season, we have always had this image, at least in the West, of women with long, flowing, wavy hair, light eyes, a petite frame, and most importantly, light skin. And what happens with us is we believe this to be a standard of beauty. As a matter of fact, this thing got even worse because what this would represent is a, count, a contrary model to our women. But let's take this a little bit deeper. It was not until people like uh, Angelina Jolie uh, and uh, J-Lo, that when their luscious lips and luscious butts became okay, then all of a sudden we find this rush of towards surgery for people to try to get our, get the features that previously had been made fun of. But even under that process, women were still buying things to lighten their skin, have nose jobs to make their nose petite, 
chemical and lye relaxers to make their hair extremely straight. Now, sisters, I am not telling you to run around here because however you wear your hair, it's your hair. You have a right to wear it, but however you wear it, please wear that stuff where we can look at you and think you're still cute. Anyway, going back to this thing, it says that women of color have been called exotic. They, uh, The darker women uh, have been seen more as sex objects, even by men of color. So tonight on this show, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss this issue. We're going to get to the bottom of this, um, I, I should call it this jacked-up belief system that we've embraced, and we are going to look at why is it that our house is divided. We will be right back. You're tuned into Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and hang on. This is going to be one hell of a show tonight. We'll be back in about 45 seconds. Young, and you're listening to Conversations with Yours Truly. Tonight, if you want to get in on this conversation, feel free to pick up your phone and call us at 646-478-5610, 646-478-5610. Julia, who are our guests this evening? We have two really dynamic guests. We have Dennis, Mr. Stir the Pot from Facebook. Um, He's a retired firefighter and paramedic, but he still has found a way to keep busy doing exactly what his name suggests, which is stirring the pot and creating debate, controversy, and conversation on his hugely popular Facebook page. And our other guest is the very beautiful and dynamic Felicia Gardner. She's a celebrity stylist and owns a company called FG Lifestyling, where she does more than fashion styling. She styles your life. She happens to be a beautiful brown-skinned sister and wanted to weigh in on the conversation today. Hey, sounds good. Thank you, Julia. Dennis, uh, I want to start this conversation with you. Welcome to the show, man. How are you tonight? I'm wonderful. How are you tonight, Dr. And to the rest of the guests? Yeah, hey, man, I'm great, I'm great. I I just want to jump in on this. I don't think it was more than uh, maybe 10 days ago. You post, you made some commentaries uh, from several several different angles on some things. One, we were talking about the uh, stratification between women, and and especially when we started talking about this this melanin content issue. And then also there was a picture of a uh, sister. Um, I believe she was probably Puerto Rican or something, a very beautiful woman. And people jumped in on this on that uh, post, and even on the one that you did on my show the other day, I think there were over 278 comments uh, made when I, we were talking about black men dating out of race. So, Dennis, I just got to ask you, what in the hell is going on that 
people are so off into this dark skin, light skin thing. What's your opinion on this, man? Well, what's happening is the fact that the media has has made a big deal of it. You know, lately we we've had dark people that are on dark sisters that are on the View and on the different uh, talk shows, and I think they're making them. It was a way that media could come in and say, okay, well, now let's put some dark women on there. Let's see what the let's see what you know the masses think about us doing that. And I I think one of the biggest things this comes from slavery. We all know that. Uh, the Willowland syndrome is is real, but you know when you divide a people by the color of their skin and their DNA is still the same, then that's you know that's that's, that's a problem with that. Man, well I'm mean, all the time. I mean, the fact that I'm a dark skinned brother, I don't care what color a sister is, whether she's light as ice cream or uh, or as dark as midnight, she's still a sister, and it's, it's no preface to me in that matter of her eyes or her, her hair. You know, just be real. Well, I got a big question. I know uh, I was checking out this um, couple of things that are happening online. One is there's a documentary out called Dark Girls. And when I looked at that thing, which I'm going to pick that apart tonight, but there was just this one scene that stands out so much to me, and that is there's this young, beautiful um, little black girl, and they put this... I, I guess uh, like some cartoon figures uh, that have that range in the color spectrum from very very fair complexion to very dark. So they asked this little girl a series of questions, and you're going to see this if you guys check this documentary out. And I definitely urge everybody to watch this thing. We, you, all of us need to look at this thing. This little girl, they asked her. They said, "Well, which which little girl is smartest?" And when they asked her, Dennis, guess which one the little girl picked? Oh, I know which one she picked. I, 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 I've actually seen the one that Soledad O'Brien did. So which one? Just tell America for those that don't know. Well, she picked the light skin because it, to her it, it made it seem better. For some reason, but not now. Now, I want to go to the next one. Check this out, Dennis. After that, they asked this little girl, which uh, which out of all of these little girls is the prettiest? And guess which one she picked? The light-skinned one. Yeah, yeah. Again, the light-skinned girl. Now, this is a baby. She, I, I'm, I'm going to guess because I don't want to um, go and misrepresent this child, but I know she was under eight years old. What does that I say, Dennis, six. to you? She was six years old. She was six. Wow, wow, okay. It's six years old. What does that say, not only about the images that our children are absorbing, but what do you think that says, and I'm not knocking her mom because I do not know this little girl's mother. She, you know, so let, let's not be unfair and blame her mom because I think this is a collective consciousness issue. But, Dennis, what is it that we're doing wrong that our kids have so little self-esteem? Well, the problem is it's, it's, it's taught. You know, you know, when you when it's taught on television, the images that the kids see on television are the images that they they actually relate to. You know, in an average family, uh, um, a mother and father who's working on a job, they work eight and a half, nine hours a day. They come home, their kids at school. The school is the biggest and one of the largest, most influence on a kid because we don't have the time to spend with children like our grandparents did with us. 
So now they're being educated by the television and by their peers. And when they see these images of, of, of your J-Lo's and, and people screaming and hollering for for the Beyonce's and whatnot, those are the people that are put up to the forefront. So they see those images. And they look at themselves and say, well, okay, I'm dark. I'm not that pretty. And that's just that's ridiculous. And that, that does fall on the parents sometimes, too, because you have to teach your children to have pride in, in who they are, self-esteem. You have to, you know, I used to tell my daughter every morning, I mean, from the age, from the time she came out the womb, that she was beautiful because that's re- reinforcing her self-esteem. And we have to do that to our women and our girls. Okay, i got to ask this question, Dennis. The other day, you had a situation um, on Facebook with a post, and it it was about the show that I did. I, I believe it was this last Wednesday's program, and we were talking about men and date, especially African American men, or just men in general, uh, race jumping in order, uh, I guess, in a naive way to look at this. The grass will be greener on the other side, or for some women, they felt that these men were rejecting their own culture and race trading. But the thing that really stuck out in my memory from reading different comments on that post was it started gravitating into why are black women trying to imitate white women by buying fake hair, wearing colored contacts, uh, contact lenses, let me say that properly, and just everything from even skin lightening products to having nose jobs to whatever. Do you think that there is some truth that even though our women are very proud of themselves and, and embrace their femininity and their uh, dark skin, do you think there's an element of our women that really are doing some self-loathing and uh, being hypocritical in terms of actually be, uh, talking about the enemy but trying to look like the enemy in the same breath? I actually believe it. I mean, you know, I never understand, can understand why a sister who who is black as night want to put blonde hair in their head or red hair in their head, uh, the color contacts, I mean, you should be happy with, with the color of your eyes. I mean, that's what, I don't believe God made a mistake when he designed you, so why are you trying to correct those things that you were given? You know, our women had long, pretty hair, and then we, because we saw the white woman cut her hair off, we started chopping our hair off. You know, we are imitating. We are doing a lot of things that are, you know, to compare ourselves to them. And and I don't believe that brothers are are jumping, you know, across the fence for that reason. I believe, you know, that's basically taboo. That's something, you know, we weren't able to have. So now, you know, let's let's try it. You know, I've been you know, great. Okay, I've got to ask you this. Sorry for interrupting you, but I've got to ask this. I was looking at that documentary, at least some excerpts from it, and just talking to – I'm in a fraternity. I'm also in 100 Black Men, and I I asked some questions of both my fraternity brothers as well as some brothers in in that organization. I said, well, what is it that you are attracted to in a woman? And I noticed that uh, the common response was that a lot of 
brothers said what you and I say. I think women are just beautiful, and everybody has a different taste. But I did notice, and I have to be honest, that there was a lot of narrow-minded men out there that said they preferred to have a a woman that was fair complexion with long hair and et cetera, et cetera. But what was funny to me is that all of them wanted the woman to have the features that are indigenous to most black women, which is that small waist, ample hips, and and really alluring lips. Do you think that black men are playing into this, or is it just a preference that we have? You know, I, I believe it's a preference. You know, uh, me personally, I, 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 the color of the skin, I mean, the color of the, my sisters don't matter. You know, uh, I am looking at the bodies and how they she shaped. And then, you know, if she works out, I mean, those are the things. Most women believe that we see them differently. They believe that we're looking, you know, I say it all the time, we can be kind of shallow. We're basically looking at their bodies. We're not really looking at, we don't care about the color of their eyes. I mean, how many men actually look into a woman's eyes? You know, yeah, not many. <laughs> no, we start at the bottom, we work our way up to the top. I mean, I'm just being honest with the approach. But this thing with, with them coloring their hair and, and doing that, that, that's not making us cross over. Uh, you know, I don't believe that our women are trying to compare themselves to them, but I believe that they are trying to get an edge because I had one lady tell me, well, Dennis, that's what you guys like. But, you know, I mean, women have actually asked a man what he likes. They're making an assumption. Yeah, I, okay, I've got to go here with this then. Do you feel... That And this is, again, this is all my comments, ladies, so please, uh, the opinions on this show, a lot of them aren't mine. It's from research, so please don't write me and, you know, start going off on your boy. But I have to say this. This one sister made this point, and I don't really agree with it, but this came from the mouth of a black woman. She said that black men would date her. And they would, you know, when it came to sex in the bedroom, and they would, they were down with, you know, especially uh, they would look at a figure, look at those legs, look at those curves. But when it came down to putting a ring on it and making a commitment that she felt that because of her complexion, men tended to view her as a sex object more than that girl you take home to mama or that girl you put a ring on it with. Would you say there's some truth in that, or is that a bunch of bull? I think that's a bunch of bull. Yeah, you know, I, I heard that. I heard that when she said that, you know, I'm good in bed, I, and, and, and that's what a man wants, but he won't marry me. You know, that's just a per- that just happened to be the man that she hooked up with that didn't want to marry her. And I mean, you got a lot of brothers who are just who are dating women just for that. You know, it's just. And I'm, I mean, to be honest with you, it's it's real life. She just it's her choices. She's made some bad choices, and it's not that. So what you're saying is this is a self-fulfilling prophecy, and what is really taking place is that people are treating her the way that she perceives herself, and it has nothing to do with the social uh, preferences or the general preferences of most black men. Exactly. Yes, I, I, I thought that was, you know, I thought it was sad. One time, and I, then other time, I found it to be hilarious because what she's doing is she's bought into that, into her mind because 
that's not it. Now, if you're just going to give up a man and give up the legs, then, man, he figures, yeah, I can hit it any time I want. Well, then, sure, he's going to keep doing that. And he might, his intentions might not be that to marry you. A lot of young men who have realized that now, you know what, we are number 15 to 1. I can I can take this one for, for two or three months. I can move on to the next one. So it's a maturity level. But when I hear women falling into this thing of this self-loathing, it just it makes me sick because you're making an assumption about all men. You're putting us all in one big bucket. And then to say that because you're dark-skinned, you're not marriable, you're not marriage material, that's that's awful. Uh, that's really sad. Well, I want to say, uh, just put this out there. I would love to hear the, your opinions on this, America. You can call us up at 646-478-5610. We're going to take about another one-minute break, and when we come back, we're going to have some very dynamic women. I believe that uh, Felicia Gardner is in the house, and I know um, another sister I cannot wait to have chime in on this. She's with Black Women Who Want More, which is one of the largest Facebook groups of black women uh, globally. So we're going to have Felicia uh, come back as as well as Renee Toppin. So if you guys will hit us, give us about 60 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Young, you're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Von Young. I have a young lady that's uh, getting ready to come on. Uh, her name is Felicia Gardner, and I really cannot wait to hear her opinion because she is what we would consider a very beautiful chocolate sister. Felicia, are you on? I'm on, Dr. Young. Hello. Hi, how are you doing Hi, tonight? I'm, I'm good. I want to ask you? a question. I'm great. I just want to ask you a question. What do you think about this dialogue? You know, I've been listening to you and Dennis, and there's been some clear points that I, I absolutely agree with, and there's some that I'm completely on the fence with and others that I don't agree with. So, you know, just to start off, um, I love that you're having this conversation because it's, it's a needed conversation, and especially in this manner. You know, I, I'm not, I, I watched the Dark Girls documentary as well, and there's certain points it in that I'm completely um, against and, and a little disappointed in. But I think that the message that I want to get across um, and definitely want to make sure that we discuss is, you know, there's an array of beautiful black women. And I don't think that there's a conflict within black women per se. I think this is really uh, perpetuated, and you mentioned it, Dennis, by the media first and foremost. And most importantly, also um, by our beautiful black men, and, and, and not consciously, but subconsciously, you know, because, of, uh, again, it's, it's black men imitating art. And so art, and I'm putting quotes over saying that, 
by art in terms of the media. And so, you know, I think, you know, men definitely hit on dark-skinned girls. I don't think there's a shortage of dark-skinned women getting hit on by no means. But what I do think is that black men do have certain preconceived notions and um, certain expectations, and I do think, you know, in terms of making sure that they have this particular woman on their arm when they get to the aisle or when they go through life, I do think there's pressure. Um, You know, and that's not me making that up. If you look at certain professions, athletes, certain, you know, other types of professions that, that black men progress in and um, very focused professions where there's a lot of media attention, there tends to be lighter-skinned women. So this isn't something we're making up, but by no means would I ever, ever um, buy into the fact that you need to feel sorry or pity a dark-skinned girl in any matter because dark-skinned women are getting hit on and there are some gorgeous women. But how do we as a race um, really start to dig into what's going on and why are we allowing the media to, to, to pick, a, pick apart our society the way they are, and why are we allowing the Willie Lynch letters to continue? What, what's really going on? Okay, let me ask you this, Felicia. You're an advertising executive, and as an, and you're also a stylist, so you're seeing this thing from so many different levels, not to mention your personal experience. First two things I want to ask you. One, um, do you think that we are having a self-perpetuating myth take place, and here's what I mean by that. Are we, as uh, people of color, because I don't want to use this American thing because this is a issue that is global, are we playing into this by buying uh, more weaved hair than anybody could ever grow? Are we buying into this by buying skin lightening products? Are we buying into this by making our black women, I, I was, and I'm going to sh- tell you where I'm getting a lot of what I'm saying from. I was looking at several interviews, and I'm not just talking about this thing Oprah just did, but I looked at interviews over time, going back five years ago, and I heard, um, I, I heard Holly Berry I heard Alfie Woodard. I, I, you know, I heard Miss Rashad. I, I heard Debbie Allen. I heard Diane Carroll. I heard a lot of different women say that they are just typecast into roles. You either are looking like yeah. Hattie McDaniel, or you uh, got your drawers off and your bra off, and you're a sex kitten, or you're that angry black woman. Do you feel that our women are just living up? to these stereotypes because stereotypes are, in fact, based on certain elements of truth. So what is your truth about our women and how they're portraying themselves? Felicia? I think her call dropped. Okay. Well, I, I will, do we, uh, first I want to say, do we have a caller, Julia? Uh, we have Renee. Okay, cool. Renee, Ms. Taupin, I'm glad you, you're you on the show. You can definitely answer that question for me. Renee is with uh, Black Women Who Want More, and you guys, if you just look at the numbers and check them out on Facebook, her credentials speak for themselves. She founded that. But, Renee, what's your opinion on this? Renee, are you there? Uh, she is. One second. 
Renee? I'm here. Can you hear me now, Dr. Young? Yes, I can. Thank you for coming in tonight, dear. I want your opinion on what I just said. Are we manufacturing stereotypes or are we being driven by stereotypes? Well, the stereotypes are definitely prevalent in in the media, in film, in in the rap videos, and and media is definitely perpetuating a stereotype, but it is contingent upon us as women to reject the stereotype and figure out a way to be comfortable in our own skin. You know, one of the most attractive qualities in a woman is confidence. And when we're hiding behind, you know, fake hair down to our waist, colored contact lenses, and all of that, it kind of undermines our sense of confidence. And there's a new trend towards natural hair, which I believe is awesome, and I believe a lot of men are embracing it. And that whole light skin, dark skin thing is not as prevalent as it used to be, but it's still there. But I see a lot of black women breaking out of it. Okay, i got to ask you something, Renee. As you know, I am a huge fan of yours, and I'm a huge fan of black women who want more. So the other day I was reading some of the trail on black women who want more. And you, the one thing that you and Felicia have in common is you are both two very brilliant, intelligent black women who are self-made. But what I want to ask you is, are we having a damn backlash and, and um, I guess, this contempt within the group, so to speak, because someone alluded to the fact that because of your fair complexion that you weren't black enough to be representing black women who want more. Is there was that just some bull or just a nut? Or what's your opinion? <laughs> well, you know, I, I was championing the cause of the light skinned woman that day, and I kind of got got beat down. You know? But um, you know, my my ethnicity um is obscured to some people. Some people think because you know I'm 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 very fair. I have the have the wash and wear hair, the, the what people used to call good hair. I don't know if they call it that anymore, but no. because of because of that, um, you know, people have said to me, even like, well, you're not black. Well, yes, I am black. Well, you're not black enough to be head of a group called Black Women Who Want More. And the interesting thing about that post, Dr. Young, was a lot of times when I post my picture, and this speaks to stereotypes, people will say, oh, that's not what I expected you to look like. I didn't expect you to look like that. I expected you to be dark or I expected you to be big because of the um, aggressive nature of the language, because my uh, persona of Miss Moore Roses is very kind of raw and real and in-your-face and no-nonsense. They expected a different type of look to go with that, which I thought was extremely interesting. But um, there is a stereotype. You know, the light-skinned woman is one way, and and the dark-skinned woman is the one who will tell you off quicker or finger-snapping or head-rolling, and the light-skinned woman is more demure, more feminine, more timid, more laid-back. So I actually see that stereotype on my page, particularly when I post my picture. Okay, got to ask. Felicia, what is your take on that? I mean, first of all, Renee, I think it's it's beautiful that you are the complexion that you are and people are kind of taken aback when they see you because that's what we need. We need to embrace and recognize that we are a diverse group of women, and, and black is an array. You don't have different shades of white. 
And so we, we need to first and foremost recognize that as a people and understand that that is an advantage that we have. And in terms of it no longer exists, I think you mentioned that, you know, there's no longer a light skin, dark skin, or the it, it's not as prevalent as it used to be. I, of course not as it used to be, but it's still there. So I don't want to get away from the fact that there are still dark skin, light skin women issues. Um, it may not be as much, but we have problems, and hence the Dark Girls documentary. Um, there are tons of stereotypes. I think, you know, definitely when I walk into a meeting, what I do notice is uh, white people could care less if I was light or dark. They're going to put the same type of stereotype on me because I'm a black woman. We just put the extras, you know, head rolls and all of that within our race. But as a black woman, Renee, you and I walking into a room full of white people, they expect the same of you as they expect from me. And so there's no difference there. Um, and then just to keep talking about, like, the dark-skinned girl issue. And, and Dr. Young, I know you mentioned this earlier and I got cut off, but one thing that I want to mention is someone coming from an advertising industry is that documentary focused on, there were lowercase letters when they um, passed out the dark girls, it was this upper case, uppercase dark girls with an exclamation point. The music was very melancholy in it. And I don't think there is um, really a push to celebrate the beauty of women in our, our community. And in terms of weaves and coloring your hair and altering who you look, you know, yes, there could be an issue with not embracing what comes naturally, but you highlighted, Renee, you have wash and go hair. If someone wants to clip some hair in their hair and, and wash and go, who cares? We put too much attention on that. You know, I, you have a picture where I have straight hair. Right now I have um, a twist in my hair, and I'm embracing that. And that's the, the flexibility and beauty as a, as a people that we have. And instead of holding on so tight to going natural and being natural, and that's how you embrace your blackness, you're not black unless you're going natural. You're not a dark woman unless your hair is natural. That means that you're not comfortable with yourself. I strongly disagree with that. I don't. I think we need to stop doing that. First and foremost, we need to stop judging one another just because I. You may choose to have straight hair today, and natural hair tomorrow. That's your choice, and that doesn't mean you're any less black. And that doesn't mean as a black woman that you're not proud of who you are. We need to redefine what that pride means and embrace it in other ways, and stop coming down on one another when we make choices to just express ourselves. I don't think that's Let me say this. I want to ask Renee this question. Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I want to get this because, Renee, do you, do you feel that at this stage of the game that women that have a fair complexion are now being bashed <laughs> because of that? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I think that... <clears throat> Our issues are minimalized, and I felt that on the page when I posted that a light-skinned girl in an Afrocentric world, <clears throat> that was the title of the post, I think that our issues are definitely minimalized. I had a hard time growing up in the black community as a light-skinned girl, a hard time. And and I don't believe that, um, that <clears throat> a lot of dark-skinned women want to acknowledge that. And case in point, Dr. Young, 
I did an I did an event for my group called Black Women Who Want More Colorblindness, and we actually separated into color categories. The light-skinned women were at one end of the table, the dark-skinned women, and then the me- medium women were in the center, and we talked about these issues. And the dark-skinned women were like, and to the light-skinned women, like, get a grip. You've had an unfair advantage all this time. How can you say that there's a problem? Well, I had a problem all through school, all go, all growing up through school, being chased at home and all of that. So I think, yes, it, it spills what over. What kind of problems did you have, Renee? I'm sorry <laughs> oh for interrupting you, but I, I wanted like, <laughs> like put some labels on them. What kind of problems did you have? Oh, hate and, and jealousy and envy and the constant you think you're cute and you think you're better and you think you're smarter and, you know, the boys like you and the boys don't like us and just all all the way through school, all the way through high school and even now at my age as a grown woman, I find sometimes, and like I said in the post, that as a light-skinned woman with long hair, with curly hair that may look like Puerto Rican or may look like Italian or look like another nationality, there is this perceived um, <clears throat> that you have an advantage. You have an advantage when dating over us. You have an advantage when going for that job interview over us. You have an advantage fitting in with other cultures that we don't have. And so what you find is, you can be ostracized, so you have to be extra friendly. You have to be extra outgoing. You have to be courteous because there's still that thing that follows from the eighth grade and the ninth grade is that if you're a light-skinned woman and you're shy, you're probably stuck up. If you're a light-skinned woman and you're timid or if you're a light-skinned woman and you walk in the room, you've got your nose in the air or you didn't speak to anybody. And so there's this extra <clears> – <throat> go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, Renee, I was going to ask Please. you. that. And I'm doctoring, I know. Go, what was the doctoring? Were you going to say something? No, I said go ahead and ask the question because, Felicia, what I was going to ask you is that those are the statements that I've also heard from my chocolate, I, I always call my chocolate drop sisters, where they say they have to be gregarious and miscongeniality because they have to overcome the fact that they, uh, you know, are Hershey's Kiss instead of butterscotch. And so what's your opinion on what Renee just said, Felicia? I mean, that was absolutely where I was going to go with that as well. And I, I think, Renee, what I was also going to ask you is, you know, coming from childhood till now, what negative effects has that really had on you? And, and again, like I, what I hate getting into, and I don't want to go too far down on the dark skin versus light skin debate because that's not where I want to go. But I, I am curious, like being teased as a child for being too stuck up or, you know, now as an adult, you know, being concerned that people may think that you're too stuck up and too pretty or men seeing you or females seeing you thinking you're another race, what negativity has that had on your life? Well, my goal is not to let it have any because I've learned um, how to overcome it. I've learned that, and well, when I was a child, yeah, it was a lot of hatred, a lot of fighting, got into a lot of fights. I wasn't a fighter. And just, just dealing with all of that, trying to make friends. Um, I, I know even in the ninth grade, I wanted so badly to fit in um, that I started smoking. Just, you know, I, I wanted to fit in so badly that I wanted to be the bad girl. I wanted to, you know, I started smoking and started doing things to kind of fit in with, with, with the other girls. And I find this from a lot of, you know, my friends who are light-skinned. It's just, it's it's been <clears throat> all that way throughout. But you learn how to overcome it because you learn how to compensate. You know, okay. you know, now that I'm the leader of this group, 
and I deal with all kinds of women, I've learned how to set the tone and I've learned how to be accepted and I've learned how to push past that so, you know, I'm extra friendly and I'm extra warm yeah. and I'm extra outgoing um, to overcome. But, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> so let me say that because where I'm going with that is I almost wanted to step into the toes of the, the, the shoes of a young, dark-skinned girl in this age, you know, because I think growing up as a young, dark-skinned right uh, female right now is even harder than it's ever been. And so what I would say is when you have rappers like Lil Wayne saying, I want a long-haired, light-skinned girl, all of these things, I would say the, the, the difference is you're not getting it pushed down your throat constantly. When I say you, I'm not speaking to you directly. I'm speaking to, you know, light-skinned younger women right now versus a dark-skinned woman. They're not constantly getting it pushed down their throat that they're unattractive. That is very hard. To know when you look wait, wait, the Felicia, back up, back up. Got to ask a question, Felicia. Sorry to interrupt you. And, and Dennis, I, I want you to chime in after she answered this. Uh, Felicia, what is it that is getting pushed down, what, uh, what you perceive to be is getting pushed down the darker-skinned young woman's throat? Because what I want to have happen with your answer, and I, I'm going to tell you where I'm taking this from, uh, in my practice, I had a very beautiful young, uh, dark-skinned female that wears natural hair tell me that when she was a little girl, she was like in the second grade, a boy said that she looked like a monkey. And that just broke my heart. So what I did, I have a friend in Houston that is a public relations specialist named Ashley Small. Ashley is beautiful. I mean, she is just not drop-dead gorgeous. And, and what happened is I said, I want you to meet someone because I wanted her to see a natural hair when diva, chocolicious looking dark-skinned black woman. And what I want to know from you, Felicia, is what is it that is not being said, that is not being done, that's making our young women have this uh, low self-esteem based on things that we can actually do something about? Right. We are in the era of hip-hop, rap, all of that, where videos and video vixens and all of that have taken over for superstars and Hollywood glamour. And so... Black young dark-skinned women are no longer seeing men even with these beautiful women that mirror the same complexion that they are. And then they're hearing messages where a man who is the same complexion as them, hence like a little Wayne, and, and I'm only using that because, you know, I, I feel like he, he's been very infamous for um, some of his lyrics. And men but who are the same like a cricket. Ex well, you said it. Not Never enough, mind. And I was to be out there. So I, you know, I like go ahead and repeat it if if you'd like, because I, you know, <laughs> I mean, nonetheless, he's he's at the top of um, the rap game, and regardless of, you know, we're all in our consciousness and able to speak about this in a manner and filter through it. But when you have young women who are unable to filter, and you hear somebody who everyone else is idolizing, and they are creating creating the standard of beauty, so regardless of what. They they are recreating and creating the standard of beauty. And so you are being told, because if Little Wayne or someone, and again, I hate to keep saying that, but you ask the question, it's particularly about our youth. And if, if these men rapped about a dark-skinned woman, this, this, and that, you know, I, I think that would slowly start to shape. You know, we're, we're definitely, um, our youth is definitely an imitation. 
And unfortunately, that little girl who got called a monkey by a young man and her, that is just the truth. You know, we, we need, you do need to teach your children to um, be able to censor those things and understand, like, and have confidence, but it's very hard. It's very hard when everything around you is telling you the, the opposite. And so that's what it is. I mean, it really is for me, if I could go through a whole rebranding, and again, the advertising piece, a rebranding, which be on the lookout, of beautiful black women, an array of colors, that's what we need. But we also need our beautiful black men to to uplift that and to speak to that as well, because women doing that alone isn't it. We need the men to come in and help with that. Okay, Dennis, what's your opinion on all of this? One man that they had a hard time being dark, one had a hard time being light. But in actuality, most of these rappers you're talking about are black as night. And when you, when you start talking about the video victims, they're not going after them because of the color of their skin. They're going after them because of the shape of their bodies. Yeah. It has nothing to do with that skin color. No, but, Dennis. Dennis, how the is lyrics that? say The lyrics actually say it, Dennis. It's not the bodies. It's the li- the lyrics specifically say, I want a light-skinned girl. So it's not just the bodies, Dennis, at all. I just, I mean, personally to me, I, I mean, I, I don't care whether the sister is midnight or whether she's vanilla. It's just the fact that she's one of them. She's my What's sister. What's your age range, Dennis? If you don't mind I'm 51. me asking, exactly. I'm 51. Exactly. So your level of consciousness and awareness is on another level than our youth, right? Because you get it. You get it. And that's fabulous. But if you could take that, bottle it, sell it, and transfer it into the youth, this would be a totally different conversation. Well, but I am. I'm, I have a 21-year-old son, and I have been putting that in his head all his life, that it doesn't matter. Don't, don't, don't determine a, a woman's inner being by the color of her skin. You know, like the people say, that dark-skinned women are mean, or, or, or that they're, they're they're mean and they're 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 straightforward. You know, in most in most black women, black, most black men who have to white women, the first thing they say is, "Well, white women are easy. They do whatever we tell them." And I tell them, I tell young black men all the time, there's no difference between that white woman and that black woman. Black do you women show do some of the same thing. thing. Excuse me. I have to say there is a difference because when the police show up at your house, they're going to listen to her and arrest your butt and take you to jail a lot faster. So there is a difference, and, and I want to make that a very clear point. But, but, uh, and, not, and not interrupting the conversation, but here's one thing I want to say, and I want America to really buy into this thing. Um, I can take my producer, Julia. Julia is not fair, nor is she dark, and she is inside and out one of the most beautiful, intelligent black women I've ever seen. But yesterday we were having uh, we were having a meeting, and she made a comment to me, and she said, "Well, well, I, it may have been a couple of days ago, but nonetheless, she made a comment, and she said that my opinion was not the norm when I said that black women are beautiful." whatever color or complexion they are. So, Dennis, you're a black man. Do you find that when you deal with younger brothers, and when I say younger brothers, I'm talking cats that are in their 20s and 30s, um, you know, do you think these guys are being uh, 
brainwashed or even almost psychologically pimped by images that come from videos and television shows. Because to be very honest, if you look at every reality show that's on TV now and you go from Basketball Wives or you go to uh, Housewives of Atlanta or these Hollywood exes, I do not see one dark-skinned woman with a short natural or short hair you know, even if I look at Jennifer on Basketball Wives, who I think is an idiot, but Jennifer has long, straight hair. Uh, you know, she looks like a black Barbie doll. If we go to uh, Hollywood exes, the closest thing to a dark-skinned woman is R. Kelly's ex-wife, and she is not a dark-skinned woman. She's, you know, medium brown. If you look at uh, Housewives of Atlanta, there has never been a dark-skinned black woman on that show. So I'm going to tend to buy Nene into Leakes. this fact. Nene Leakes, Dr. Young, i got to tell you. Nene Leakes is dark-skinned. Okay, she is. Okay, I, but I, when I look at this, I don't see that. So what I want to what I want to talk about is what are some solutions to this problem. And we're going to go over, ladies and gentlemen. This show typically wraps uh, at eight thirty. We'll probably be wrapping at eight forty-five tonight because we're going to get something out of this. What are some solutions? And what I want to do is start with Renee. Renee, you have almost one hundred thousand women following you. What would you say to these women uh, that we can start doing as just folk with common sense to start killing this stupidity? I would say learn how to love the skin you're in. And the way you learn how to love the skin you're in is to be your best self. And that's what black women who want more is all about. We're about being our best selves. And the third tenet is being physically fit. I believe when you're physically fit, when you're eating healthy, when you're eating right, when you feel beautiful, and it, it starts on the inside, Dr. Young. It really, really does. It starts with you emanating confidence, and we can overcome this if we learn how to carry ourselves with confidence and show confidence in who we are and instill confidence in the younger generation. Tell, you know, the young girls that they're beautiful. Tell your daughter that they're beautiful. See, I'm having a personal struggle with that right now, Dr. Young, because I have a 12-year-old. And my 12-year-old, I married a dark-skinned man with with uh, dark skin, <clears throat> with, um, you know, a tight wave hair. And so my daughter does not have hair like mine, and my daughter is not my complexion. And so I struggle with instilling self-esteem because she'll look at me and say, Mommy, I wish I had hair like yours. Mommy, your hair is so beautiful. But I have to constantly tell her that her hair is beautiful. Your complexion is beautiful. You're, you're beautiful. So just reiterating that inner beauty and that self-confidence and telling these women that they're beautiful, um, Dr. Young, it starts there. <clears throat> okay, what? And, and I want to ask you that same question, Felicia. Yeah, I would agree with a lot that Renee has said. And in addition, I also think that, um, you know, I mentioned this. I think we need to stop trying to, you know, reshape or, or explain, like, what you're not dark, you're not this. Like, I feel like there's already the stereotype around the fear of saying that someone's dark skin. Like, I'm a dark, beautiful woman. I want you to call me dark chocolate, all of those things, because that's what I am. And I definitely think it comes back to um, just instilling that beauty in, in our women and just 
you know, whether that be Dr. Young after this show, if you want to post a gorgeous picture of all the array of beautiful black women, but just making sure that, you know, as a people we constantly um, are, are speaking to the beauty within our society and with our community and, and, and uplifting one, each, one another in that way. And, and it does start with our youth and, and finding um, finding ways to uh, educate young black women and especially young black men. I think, Dennis, that's fabulous that you're doing that with your son and um, really instilling that pride back in us and as, as, a, as a community and especially, you know, with everything at the top of the show, you, you mentioned Trayvon Martin. And this is especially the time that as a people we need to come together. If anything we need to pull from this is that we need to come together, not just in death but in life. And, and this is our opportunity to do that and, and stop letting frivolous things like complexion um, be a rift between us and allowing something else for other other races to talk about. You know, they have conflicts within their own communities. We need to, we need to clean house. And um, conversations like this will continue to have us do that. And open conversations, but also walking away with um, homework. And the homework is to look within and, and really understand, like, what are your stereotypes and why do you have maybe these thoughts about a dark-skinned woman versus a light-skinned woman, a light-skinned woman versus a dark-skinned woman, and addressing those and being real with yourself and figuring out maybe where that comes from. Okay, then I've got to say this, Dennis. I just got an instant message on Facebook where a woman, so Dennis, don't you go get mad at me, dude. This sister just sent me the thing, and she said, Dennis wrote on his page, the darker the berry, the crazier, not the sweeter. Okay, bro, you on your own. Wait, wait, wait. She said what now? She said, Dennis wrote on his page, the darker the berry, the crazier. Not the sweeter. <laughs> yeah, I, I did say that. But that was a joke. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, hang on, Dennis, before you even answer that. This is one time I must say, America, that the opinions you hear on this show are not my own. Go after Dennis's ass, not mine. Okay, go ahead, Dennis. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know and, and, you know what? I said that, and, and, and sometimes it's true, but it has to do with the skin color. I'm talking about black women, period. You know, do you because, think that? Okay, let me ask you this. And, and Dennis, I'm not hitting on you because you're my boy, but I want to ask this question. Do you think that sometimes all of us play into the stereotypes that are put forth about our, you know, I, I, when I mentor my young men, I, walk, I was telling them, I'm like, dude, it's okay to smile. Quit walking around mean-mugging, looking like your ass needs Ritalin or some meds or something. You don't have to walk around looking angry in order to be cool. As a matter of fact, the smile goes a lot further. So do you think that sometimes we uh, have reinforced by the way we treat our women certain stereotypes so now you see these women trying to live up to it because I know for a fact um, I have worked in my practice with women that they will not take weave out of their head because they feel that their weave is associated with their identity. What's your opinion on that, Dennis? I don't see how their weave can be associated with their identity. How can you say that weave is associated with your identity when you don't when your hair wasn't was not that long in the first place? <laughs> and I think that's ridiculous for them to say, okay, 
I'm going to put me some horse hair in my head, let it hang down my butt, and this is part of my culture. This is not a part of your culture. Uh, your culture is what's inside of you, not what's on the outside and, and the look of you. What about, you know, okay, I'm just going to ask, ladies, Renee, first, what's your comment on that? My comment on that is that, you know, the it should start with loving yourself. Now, if you wear weave because you just want, like Felicia said, you just want variety, you want um, a long hairstyle one day or for one week or there's a glamour shot or something that you're doing, fine. But if you are hiding behind weave, pretending to be somebody you're not, if you don't feel comfortable without it, that's a problem. So to be able to take it out, to be able to wear your hair natural, twist or whatever, and not need it, and I think a lot of our young women have gotten to the point where they don't feel beautiful without it. They feel like they need it. They feel like they need it to get attention. They need it to be noticed. And it is a part of their identity. Like, if they don't have that hair in, they don't feel comfortable, and therein lies the problem. How did you feel before there was weave? How do, how do you feel when your hair is natural and it's air-dried? And you have to be comfortable in your own skin, even if you occasionally want to enhance your look with makeup or with weave or with eyelashes. you got to be okay without it. Well, I love my black women when Amy Nim was burning your ear with that straightening comb. Anyway, <laughs> here's what I want to – some of y'all will get that in about five minutes – some of the things that I found that were said that we can do to help our daughters and our young women boost their self-esteem, and I'm just going to go down a quick list. Uh, if you guys want to jump in on this, uh, feel free to do so. One, tell your daughter, and, and they. what I love about this, this actually came with some age descriptions on some of this, so I'm going to throw in my two cents with this. For If your child is three to six years old, make frequent remarks such as, Here's my beautiful baby. Create stories or let them see toys and images of themselves where uh, where they can see that, you know, here's this little smart, cute little girl that looks just like you, which I fully agree with that. Ladies, what do you think about that for a child three to six? No, absolutely. And you have to show them images. Have artwork in your home. Have those conversations. Have their father have those conversations because more importantly than just the mother, speaking to her child and, and reminding her child how beautiful she is, having her father tell her that is even more important for a young black woman. And so, you know, also taking them out and, and traveling and showing them images outside of the U.S., like instill that culture um, and remind them, like, where that beauty actually originated and comes from. So that pride, you'll instill that pride in your young woman. Okay, from age 7 to 12 years old, it says associate her dark skin with things that are valued. For example, uh, letting them know that a dress or an outfit they have on really reflects their beauty or that the their smile is very pretty or things that are in their environment, that they highlight that environment. Renee, do you have any suggestions on that? I do. Take the weave out of the 12-year-old's head. Take the weave yeah. out of the 8-year-old's head. No, seriously. You've got all the 8th graders in my daughter's school with weave. So mm. it's being perpetuated. They have weave. They have blonde weave. They're wearing the booty shorts on casual data. So we are actually perpetuating um, this image. Um, allow them to be natural and tell them it's okay 
to be natural and that they are beautiful natural and teach them how to dress appropriately. See, we're passing all these insecurities down to our 7-year-olds, our 8-year-olds, and our 12-year-olds, and they're picking it up, Dr. Young. I don't know if you see it, but I have seen weave in 3-year-olds' hair, two little weave ponytails. Yes, yes. Yes. Oh man. Yes, they give them the braids. Yeah, and that's and not a dark the... skin versus light skin. That's just a poor decision. Let's, let's get Dennis. What do you say about a three-year-old with a freaking weave in her head? You know, silky number twelve, and she's four. What do you say about that, Dennis? You don't really want me to say that right now because to me that <laughs> yes, I do. That, I was choked that mother with that air. Because yeah. why would you do that to a child? Because all you're going to do is make a ball hit by the time she gets 14 years old. So <laughs> one other thing she's going to make a ball hit a child by the time she gets 14. <laughs> and quick you, and I do want to say this, ladies. Dermatological glue for skin is very expensive. So that little black glue that you're buying from, and my Chinese sisters out there, I love y'all, and my Korean sisters, I love y'all, but that glue that you're selling, these women that's black to go on people's hair is not only toxic, that stuff causes alopecia, not to mention some very bad skin infections. So if you are putting that mess in your head or your child's head, get a grip and please stop it, stop it. Okay, now for ages 13 to 18 years old, it says associate her dark skin with dark wind achievers, African models, scholars, etc. Uh, arm her with age developmentally appropriate appropriate information about sensitive topics. So I'm going to put that in English. What I say to that is find the women that are the uh, astronauts, the doctors. And you don't need to be famous to be a role model. Point out the accountants, the teachers, the professors, the woman that owns a bakery, the woman that is a seamstress and a tailor. We have so many examples of a role model in black femininity that covers the color spectrum from Felicia to Renee to even going beyond both or within that group that we do not need to keep selling our kids on this crap that the media is saying is a black woman. Do Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely, definitely. We have to reiterate. We have to reiterate um, the beauty of of the black woman, and I believe that because there's all, there's already this assumption that lighter skinned women are, you know, <clears throat> the lighter you are on the spectrum, the more beautiful you are. I think we start need to start going further down the color spectrum and just promoting and highlighting and celebrating the darkest women we can find and just you know what I mean just just making it the thing to be and just making it you know celebrating it more than more than we do right now okay now the last thing because we're going to get ready to wrap this down but I just want to say a quote from one of my favorite stereotypes as an actress Hattie McDaniel uh, as you know was the maid and gone with the wind and everybody was making fun of Hattie McDaniel one thing I do want to say is Hattie found a beautiful moment she was the first black woman to receive an Oscar and she quite candidly said in an interview in the 60s she said you know what baby y'all can keep making 
fun of me because I'd rather play a maid than be one. Now, with that said, uh, I've got to go to my producer, and then I want you guys all to give out your contact information, uh, starting with Renee, then Felice, then Dennis. But first, Julia, what is your uh, next to final word on this subject tonight? I would just like to say, and this ties in with the Trayvon Martin verdict, too, we can talk about the problems all day long, but we're aware of the problems, but what are we going to do to really dig in deep and create the solutions? There's power in numbers, what Renee's doing, creating a group of women, you know, that are hopefully like-minded It's great. Um, People like Little Wayne, not to berate him, there's a ton of rappers like him, you know, if we have issues with his message, we can't go out buying his albums as a group of people. Like, if he starts losing money due to his ignorance, then we force change. And that's within the black community and definitely within a society as a large, as a whole. So, you know, I want people to listen to these conversations, but then just, you know, don't turn it off and walk away and continue with business as usual. Just take a pause for a moment and just figure out one tiny, tiny step we can do to move towards change. So that's that's my final thought. All right. And, uh, Renee, how can people get in contact with you? And the, the, uh, you have so many things going on. Give us your contact on all and a number if you want to put that out there so people can reach you. Okay, absolutely. Thank you. You can like us on Facebook by keying in Black Women Who Want More. Black Women Who Want More, the organization, like us on Facebook. You can email me at Toppin Sales, that's my last name, T O P P I N S A L E S, at AOL.com. Google us to find a chapter of Black Women Who Want More near you. All right, Felicia, what about you? To get in contact with me for lifestyling, to continue this conversation or anything on your mind, you can contact me on Facebook at Felicia Gardner or email me at Gardner, G-A-R-D-N-E-R-F-E, at number 8 at gmail.com. Again, Gardner Fee, the number 8 at gmail, or follow my blog at Fab Alert, Blogspot. Sounds great. And Dennis, stir the pot, Glenn. Man, you used to be a firefighter. Now you're putting topics on fire. How can they get in contact with you, dude? Uh, you can go in contact with me on uh, Facebook at uh, Dennis Stir the Pot, Glenn. Uh, or you can contact me through my email, which is uh, dharleyconstruction at gmail.com. And uh, my last take on this is that we need to vote. And, and once we start voting, then we can make changes in in this country and in this world. And those votes can also help change people's thoughts about themselves. Well, I want to thank all my guests. And the final word on this thing is, you know, who you say you are is one thing, but what you do speaks so much louder than words. Don't just sit back and watch our little girls and our teenage girls get led down the yellow brick road only to find out the wizard is just a bunch of hot air. Be an example. Your kids, what you say, yeah, they may or may not remember that, but what you do, they will never forget. This is Dr. D. Yvonne Young. You've been listening to Conversations with yours truly. And this Wednesday at noon, we're going to be talking about using kids as a weapon 
during and after separation, breakups, and divorce. With that said, if can't nobody else love you, love yourself. I love you. You have a great day, and I will talk to you on Wednesday. Have a fantastic week. Bye.